From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. for joining us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today we continue a series of studies on the doctrine of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll be hearing from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy a devotional thought from the pen of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is entitled, Grace for the Humble. The text is James 4 and verse 6, He giveth grace unto the humble. Humble hearts seek grace, and therefore they get it. Humble hearts yield to the sweet influences of grace, and so it is bestowed on them more and more largely. Humble hearts lie in the valleys where streams of grace are flowing, and hence they drink of them. Humble hearts are grateful for grace, and give the Lord the glory of it, and hence it is consistent with His honor to give it to them. Come, my friend, take a lowly place. Be little in thine own esteem, that the Lord may make much of thee. Perhaps the sigh breaks out, I fear I am not humble. It may be that this is the language of true humility. Some are proud of being humble. And this is one of the very worst sorts of pride. We are needy, helpless, undeserving, hell-deserving creatures. And if we are not humble, we ought to be. Let us humble ourselves because of our sins against humility. And then the Lord will give us to taste of His favor. It is grace which makes us humble, and grace which finds in this humility an opportunity for pouring in more grace— Let us go down, that we may rise. Let us be poor in spirit, that God may make us rich. Let us be humble, that we may not need to be humbled, but may be exalted by the grace of God.
In the midst of this increasingly secularized and materialistic society, multitudes of men, women, and young people seem to have forgotten that they have immortal souls, and that one day they must stand before a holy God and face the ultimate judgment. Despite every effort to banish the reality of death from the mind, the Word of God declares, It is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. How can a person be ready for that awful day? Is there a way to face God without fear? The great 19th century preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon answered this question in a powerful sermon entitled, Preparing to Meet God. Let the Bible Speak now offers a booklet published by the Trinitarian Bible Society, which contains this vital message under the title, Preparing to Meet God. In addition to the sermon text, the publication contains a brief biographical sketch of Spurgeon's life, as well as a schedule for reading the Bible through in a year, all contained in an attractive, conveniently sized booklet. To obtain your copy, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, you may simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of Preparing to Meet God, and we'll be happy to provide it. This week, Dr. Cairns has been preaching on the Spirit of Revival, part of this ongoing series on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. It is a sad fact that God's people, individually and corporately, fail to experience the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, and to feel, sometimes, that the Lord has withdrawn Himself. Among the causes are failure to confess sin, failure to lament this spiritual dearth, and a lack of experience of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And yet, seasons of declension in the church are never beyond the power of the Holy Spirit. The history of the Christian church has been marked by conditions that seemed absolutely hopeless, and yet God raised up men full of the Holy Ghost, and revival became a reality. In concluding the message, Dr. Cairns emphasizes that in such seasons of declension, Christians should be much in prayer for revival in the church. Now, Dr. Cairns concludes this message, The Spirit of Revival. Oh, what a curse rationalism is in the church of Jesus Christ. We have it today. Then uh, there was what I would call a deficient defense of the gospel. Against deism, the church in England produced some of the greatest theological minds that it has ever known. Many of you have heard of Butler's Analogy, supposed to be one of the greatest apologetic works in the history of the Christian church. Now, I've had that book for years. I've read parts of it. 
And I want to tell you, there are many things that I would rather do than have to read the rest of it. And uh, I confess that I maybe should have read every uh, page and every line, but my, it's dry. It's as dry as dust. I think it was John Murray in Westminster used to say when they came to dry things, and people said, Professor, this is dry as dust, he would say, yes, but it's gold dust. Well, you couldn't say that about uh, Butler's analogy. It's just plain, ordinary dust. That's the kind of defense. It was always very learned. Very learned. But it was cold. And it was Christless. I have often said that it's my belief when the church of Jesus Christ sinks into this kind of logical apologetic that is not centered on the vitality of the risen Christ. But it's a sign of her death and decay and it never accomplishes anything. Oh, we have this deficient defense of the gospel today devoid of spiritual power do we not find it even in fundamentalist churches yes they stand for what's right thank God I do not for one moment undervalue uh, the importance of that stand but I want to tell you that for a man to stand up and say I'm against Rome I'm against the world council of churches I'm against the communists I'm against this I'm against the other thing and there is no preaching of Christ there is none of the fire and the life transforming power of Christ I tell you for a man to do that is to add to the problem not to solve it there were in those days a carnal clergy ministers thank God the nonconformist churches weren't nearly so bad in this regard but a carnal clergy ministers who were so taken up with this world do we not have those to men today do we not have this in the pulpit and in the pew people who are more taken up with the business of this world than they are with the business of eternity we had also the separatists the nonconformists, the Presbyterians the Congregationalists the Baptists they were all there in England in the 18th century but they were stagnant separatists their preaching was cold they were weak many times in theology and those who weren't split up with needless divisions I don't need to draw the parallel with today. It's too plain for anybody to miss. And the result was a godless nation. Yes, my friend, that was England before the Great Awakening. God in His grace raised a small handful of men starting in the University of Oxford. And in grace in other places, as in Wales, he was preparing other small handfuls of men. At the same time over in New England, he was dealing with other small numbers of men. 
and he was warming their hearts. They were usually men of great intellect. Here in the United States, the leader of the revival was, at least in New England, Jonathan Edwards, arguably the greatest philosophical and theological intellect this country has ever produced. These were usually men of great intellect. But it wasn't their intellect that brought revival. These were men whose hearts God had touched. Thank God they found that however dark the day, it was not beyond the power of the Spirit of God. He is evil. You could very easily get disappointed in our day but it's not beyond the power of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, the final thing I note is this, that in seasons of declension in the church, we should be much in prayer for revival from the Spirit of God. There's a striking verse toward the end of the prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 62, Verses 6 and 7. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, marginal reading, ye that are the Lord's remembrancers, you who are God's reminders, Keep not silence and give him no rest till he establish and till he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. What an injunction. I have said watchmen. Who are the watchmen? They are the men who mount the tower of prayer. They are the men who are there to remind God of his covenant. And God says to these prayer warriors, though he even seems to suffer long with them, he says, give your God no rest until he establishes Jerusalem, until he pours out his spirit until he sends revival. Why? And how can you do that? The answer, verse 8, the Lord hath sworn by his right hand and by the arm of his strength, and he goes on to give the promise. We have a God of covenant faithfulness. We have a God who has given his promise, and therefore we ought to pray, and that without ceasing, giving him no rest until he send us revival. You listen to his promise, Isaiah 41 and 17. When the poor and needy seek water and there is none, and their tongue faileth for thirst. I've often pointed out in reading that verse in prayer meetings, that these are not just people who are finding it hard to pray. These are people who are so weak that they can hardly utter a word in prayer. Their tongue feels for thirst. With spiritual thirst their tongue, as it were, has swollen in their mouth, 
and they are incapable of great wordiness in prayer but with a broken heart they're before God and it says I the Lord will hear them I the God of Israel will not forsake them I'll open up the rivers and high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys I'll make the wilderness a pool of water and so on revival promised there's a beautiful promise in the 44th chapter of Isaiah how often we need to plead it I will pour water on him that is thirsty floods upon the dry ground I will pour my spirit upon thy seed my here's a promise for every Christian parent to be pleading Here's a promise for every father and every mother worried about their children growing up in this sinful and adulterous generation in this day when the devil is using every art and every device to damn their souls. Lord, give me water. Give me the floods on this dry ground and pour out your spirit on my seed. That's the promise that he gives us. What a promise it is. Those who have heard the tape of the Isle of Lewis revival will remember that in one part of the island, as they were praying, and the revival had not broken there, one old elder of the church got up in the middle of the night in an all-night prayer meeting and lifted his heart to God with these words, Lord, thou hast said, I will pour water on him that is thirsty. Lord, as best I know my heart, I am thirsty. They called on God, yea, challenged God, that he would now fulfill his covenant promise. And God did it with immeasurable power therefore we can pray Isaiah prayed in 64 and verse 1 oh that thou wouldst rend the heavens and come down that the mountains might flow down at thy presence when I come to a church when I come to the meetings that is very very frequently my prayer Oh, that thou wouldst rend the heavens today. God, take us out of the ordinary. We were singing from the 85th Psalm, the prayer of the psalmist for revival. And what did he cry? Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Habakkuk prayed chapter 3 and verse 2. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make known in wrath. Remember mercy. Now these are the prayers we ought to be praying. And praying them will entail having the Lord deal with us. As we come to the close of this meeting this morning, you're a Christian I want you to realize when you pray God send revival you're praying that God will start dealing with your sin and start dealing with your carnality 
and start dealing with everything in your life that's grieving to God. In the 80th Psalm, I commend it much to your very careful perusal. Pray through it. In the 80th Psalm, the psalmist is looking back on what the Lord did. He's the shepherd of Israel. He sits between the cherubim. He led Joseph like a flock. And yet here they were in an awful situation. And what's he praying? He's praying, Lord, stir yourself up. Stir up your strength before your people. Ah, but as soon as he starts to pray for revival, what happens? God starts to convict him of sin. And he prays, Turn us, O God. Cause thy face to shine upon us, and we shall be saved. Three times in that psalm, he prays, Turn us, O God. Then, O Lord God, and then, O Lord God of hosts, the three great descriptions of our God. He's the God of heaven. He's the God of hosts. He's the God of the covenant. And here we're praying, Lord, Turn us to yourself. You know, you can pay all the lip service you will to revival. But while you're a carnal man, you're just a liar before God. I know that's a strong thing to say to a Christian. Or one who names the name of Christ. My friend, if you pay lip service before God and the things of God, and you have a heart yet uncircumcised, you have a heart that's still set on the world, and you're more interested in jobs and money and houses and lands and pleasures and pastimes than you are in your God, then you may have a name that you live. You've got to wonder, are you not yet dead? You're going to pray for revival. You're praying that God will deal with your sin and the thing that grieves His Holy Spirit. Judgment must begin at the house of God. The temple has to be purified. Must be then dedicated to the Lord. What a beautiful picture it is. When Solomon dedicated the temple, the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. This church and every other church, it's true to Christ, is a living temple of the living Christ. When the temple is cleansed and dedicated to Christ, then the Spirit of the Lord will fill the house of the Lord. And we will then again prove the Holy Spirit to be the spirit of revival. May God make that our real experience for his name's sake. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, founded by Dr. Alan Cairns. Let the Bible Speak is also heard in many parts of the world through the international radio outreach of Let the Bible Speak, produced in Northern Ireland. 
The Free Presbyterian Church stands without apology for the absolute inerrancy of the Bible, emphasizing preaching that centers on the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and is militant in its stand against the ecumenical apostasy and the efforts of the world to infiltrate the Church. For further information about the Free Presbyterian Church, you may email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. You may call us at 864-244-2408, or you may write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Again, that's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Also, we encourage you to visit the website of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America at www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 